We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, I want to welcome you guys to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. We've got a great episode this week. Before we begin, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like, comment, and share if you like this episode. And we'll get into this week's sponsor and show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode is sponsored by Dr. Heather Fork of Doctors Crossing. Dr. Heather Fork is a retired dermatologist based out of Austin, Texas, and she is a career coach and strategist and the founder of the Doctors Crossing. She's come out with this new course called LinkedIn Networking for Physicians. The significance of this course is that in today's hyper-competitive, hyper-dynamic, ever-changing economy, success is all about information, speed, access, networks, and execution speed. So part of your success in today's economy relies on a strong network of collaborators, partners, and acquaintances who can help you accomplish your goals a lot faster and more efficiently. If you're operating under the mantra of doing it alone or doing it all by yourself, there are better, faster, easier, and more efficient ways to get things done today. You can save a lot of time, energy, and money by learning how to leverage social media to network online. Dr. Heather Fork's course is a brand new course designed to teach you step-by-step how to efficiently network using online LinkedIn social media networking tools, tactics, and strategies. She's been a pioneer in the field of physician counseling, physician burnout, career transitions, and physician coaching. Her course is a six-module course with 22 videos where you can learn at your own pace, on demand, and teach you how to strategically use LinkedIn to your advantage. It also has a bonus PDF guide, how to rock your informational interviews. So if you're interested, you can check out the course in the link in the show notes below. As a special bonus, you can also check out Dr. Fork's Carpe Diem resume kit that when purchased with the LinkedIn course, you get a 23% discount. Or if you want to purchase separately, you can click on the link in the show notes below as well. Thanks for listening and on to the show. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, the mission of Financial Freedoms is to empower physicians early career all the way to late stage to achieve financial independence and financial freedom so that they're working for their patients, not because they have to, but because they want to, and it's their own choice. And so my mission is to bring different physicians that encompass the four types of freedom, financial, emotional, location, and time freedom, so that you can get a sense 
and to disseminate the word and spread the message about freedom in itself. So today we have a guest, special guest, Dr. Charmaine Gregory. And I was talking to Dr. Gregory just earlier on and I got my um, brand started and career started uh, by appearing on her podcast and other physician podcasts. And I realized that uh, she wasn't on mine. So I, re I reached out to her. So she is a wife, mom to three shrubs and a burnout thriver. She currently practices emergency medicine in Guam, which was a very interesting story that we'll talk about. And she's a serial entrepreneur doing a lot of um, side hustles and side gigs with a weekly podcast, a course on starting a podcast and do it for you services for podcasters, as well as she's a speaker and she's the author of several books. And as a physician, Dr. Gregory has exclusively worked night shifts, both in Michigan and now in Guam. To face her visceral fear of public speaking, Dr. G started a podcast, Fearless Freedom with Dr. G, which focuses on facing fear and emerging victoriously. To expand further into her appreciation for podcasts and the positive impact podcasts can have in the lives of listeners, she began teaching others how to get started with their shows through her podcasting course. She has also developed Done For You podcasting services. So she also she has a Facebook support group for women in healthcare uh, that will be included as well as her course. So Charmaine, Dr. Gregory, welcome. Thank you. It is such an honor to be on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you you appreciate well you probably do appreciate this now but like you know it is always a pleasure to be on the other side of the mic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was always um when I got started I was always on being the one interviewed so now um you know as the host there's actually quite a lot of work to be done and a lot of behind the scenes type. So it, and it's actually a lot more work than just being a guest. So, but thanks for, you know, appearing on and um, I'm happy to, you know, return the favor. Yes, yes, yes. No worries. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. So the first thing we'll just, um, I know you're, we'll talk about fearless and freedom and we just tell us about your story. I know you have a, you have a story, very inspiring story and just get the listeners warmed up and, and we'll get started. Yeah. Um, so how, I guess I, I will tell the story from the point of view of how did I even get into the entrepreneurship uh, side of things? Like what is a doctor doing, doing entrepreneurship, right? So basically, if you can, you probably can tell, maybe you can't, but I have an accent a little bit. It's not as strong as when I first arrived here when I was 10 years old from Jamaica um, and, you know, came to the States basically to fulfill a dream, right? So, and that's at that time, it, for me, it was medicine, was to become a physician. And so that dream got realized and everything was going fantastic. You know, got into emergency medicine, absolutely love it and was practicing. And then uh, there was a point probably about six or seven years into my career where I had um, a little bit of, of a breakdown. It wasn't, um, it was actually more of a, a physical breakdown in the sense of I had just had three children pretty much back to back in about four year time span. And um, I, after that last child, I injured myself 
training and I ended up like losing muscle mass on my right leg. And it was a little bit of an enigma as to what the actual injury was. My poor orthopod did everything. He like drained my knee multiple times. He got me an MRI. You know, we did Dopplers, all these things to try to figure out what the heck was wrong with my knee and why was I having this difficulty. And so a year later, after we couldn't figure it out any other way, he took me to the operating room and looked around and I, he said, your knee is like the knee of like a 60 year old. It was, it was crazy. And it turns out that I had a, um, an occult uh, meniscal tear. So Everything I thought was all good after that. Um, and as a person who had been pretty much active her entire life, like I played sports, uh, I did all kinds of stuff uh, to stay healthy and active. I was essentially grounded for the greater part of our, a year. And so as a consequence of that, if you're normally active, you know that that's how you maintain your size. Like you maintain your, your ability to fit into your clothing, all that stuff. So you know, yes, my knee had been fixed, but then I was not really back to my previous level of activity. So I was supposed to give a lecture to the residents and I went into the closet to literally uh, collect my items that I'm going to need to wear. And so one such item was actually my favorite suit. This is black suits, pantsuit has, you know, like a three button uh, blazer. And so I go to try this thing on and I put, you know, put one leg in the pant and another leg. And, and then I tried to navigate my hips and it was like, uh, uh-uh, no, no sister, this is not going to happen. And so did not, did not navigate my hips could not zip the zipper, could not button the button. Uh, and I thought it was just a function of the pants and it, perhaps the, the top would be different. Uh, but uh, there was quite the same story because the buttons and the buttonholes decided they did not want to be with each other anymore and went to file for divorce. So that led to me literally falling out on the, <laughs> on the, the floor <laughs> of my closet, crying like, what the heck is going on? Uh-huh. I can't believe this. And so that led me to saying, you know what? This is, this is enough. And so I, I went ahead and joined a group of, of women who were going to be on a health journey as well, health fitness journey. And part of it was not only the accountability for the physical activity on a regular basis, but also it was uh, very heavily uh, weighted on personal development. So mindset training was a big part of this. And so you're probably wondering, why am I telling you this story? Well, here's why. So during the time uh, that I was in this group, I saw a tremendous transformation in my physical form. Okay. So I was like, you know, 42, I guess at the time or whatever, how old I was. And I was like in the best shape of my life. Like I was just really, you know, getting in the movement. And at the same time, I was learning that I actually, the time when I fell out on the floor of the, the closet, it's a little bit of a, not, it's outside of character of movement for me because I'm not very emotional usually. So mm-hmm. for me to do that was like really a big deal. So then, you know, then I started looking back at like, well, why, why did I do that? And I started to analyze the whole situation. And I realized that every night when I would get ready to go to work, so I would start work at 11. So that means I'd get up uh, from my anchor nap at about 1030, um, 1015 for a, a untimed departure of 1030. Right. So there, you know, then I realized what I was doing. I literally would have the alarm go off. I would snooze it. 
And then I would have to go through this whole exercise where I'd have to tell myself, okay, you have to physically bend your body so you can be upright. Then you have to swing your leg around, touch it to the floor, swing the next one. Like I had to go through that mental exercise to just even get out of bed. And then once I got to the hospital, it was another struggle. Right. And so I'm like, I'm like white knuckling it on the steering wheel. I don't want to, I don't want to take my hand off the steering wheel to go into the building. I have to tell my each finger and both thumbs to unleash their grip. And, you know, it was just crazy. And Mm. I did not know that this was a symptom of burnout. I had no idea. Right. I had no idea that I had gotten there. I had no idea why, because, you know, our, when we are in the throes of burnout, um, it's a continuum. And so when we're really at the bottom before, this is before it even affects our work, we tend to normalize the behaviors, right? So Mm -hmm. because, and the reason why this happens is because there are, it's not like a, a big change that happens. It is little incremental chips away at the armor until the armor completely cracks and falls to the ground. Mm Yeah. And so that's, and so you, you look in the mirror, it's kind of like when you were younger and you went to visit a family member that you hadn't seen in quite a while. And they're like, Oh my goodness, your face is so much fatter or your face Mm -hmm. so much thinner. You look at your face every day and you're not seeing any difference in your face, right? You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's me. But somebody who has a comparison can see the change. And so since you're not the one who's looking into the picture, you're the one in the picture, you tend not to realize what's going on. So I had no clue that I was going through burnout and it was serendipitous that I started to work on my physical form. And as a function of that, had an opportunity to get to realize the importance of mindset training And then I was able to retrospectively realize that, oh, my God, I was burnt out. And so Mm. part of this process um, of physical and mental transformation, I realized that I really, really, really love helping other people. So I started doing fitness coaching Mm. and then I realized that I love business. I loved running a business. I loved, um, you know, doing things like that. And if I were to really be honest with myself, I would say that I was exposed to this really early. So my mom, so my mom was a single mom. We were living in Jamaica and at the time, and, you know, I guess anybody who is familiar with Jamaica's economy or who is Jamaican will kind of laugh at this. But like we we lived there in a time in the 70s it was pretty much very strong economically. The dollar, the Jamaican dollar was essentially equivalent to the US dollar. So it would be, you know, you go, you trade $1 for $1, right? Which is kind of a big deal. And then come into the eighties, we got to the point where we start to see it going three to one, four to one. And then when it got to five to one, my mom was saying, you know what, this is too hard. I'm not able to see my way. We have to transition to another transition to the US. So, you know, it was like, but in that time she was taking her job and then she would go and she would go and buy bulk oranges and she would sell them out of the trunk of her car. She would make sandwiches and sell them at my school's cafeteria. Like my mom is a straight hustler. She's entrepreneurial hustler. Like she's Mm -hmm. constantly doing that. And so I was exposed to that, but didn't realize. Right. And so it, 
it, it dawned on me when I, when I started doing this and I was like, oh my God, this is because she influenced that. And I really, really loved it. So that was the first, first business. And then um, multiple businesses after that. Um, and then fast forward to why the podcast even got started. I, again, because of my mindset training and personal development on a regular basis, I re- realized that I had a pretty deep fear of public speaking. And so much so that I kind of realized how unhealthy my my like uh, rituals were for it. <laughs> Every time I had to go give a talk to the residents or to colleagues or anything, I literally did not sleep the night before. I was a, a mess mentally, just kind of going over the talk over and over and over again. And um, then when I got there, I would always have to wear a blazer because I would have a thunderstorm occurring in both my axillas. And I did not want to embarrass myself or the audience by having a blouse that was, you know, had a had a telltale um, markings on, mm-hmm. on, on it. And um, I had palpitations. My heart was literally trying its very best to break free of the cage that it's in. I had I had the mental, you know, playback, you know, you're going to trip and fall and break your face and then you're going to slip on the blood and fall again. Then you're going to break your hip and you're going to hobble to the podium and then you're going to turn on the slides and those slides are going to come on. You're going to open your mouth and no words are going to come out like it was ridiculous. So, you know, I was like, this, you know, this is not healthy. So I said, I'm going to do something about this. And so the first tier of that um, desensitization therapy that I gave myself or prescribed myself was to start the podcast. And then the second tier was to actually become a public speaker. So that's how the podcast got started. (laughs) That's how public speaking got started. And then from there, I just met some incredible people and so many more doors have opened and um, people kept on asking me advice about how to start podcasts. And then I created a course. People went through the course, had great success. And then I said, okay, well, I'll offer services. And so, and then that's how that, uh, that business kind of um, developed. So, yeah. So one of my businesses and uh, it's just really fun. Um, the, the thing that's interesting about entrepreneurship, and I think why a lot of um, physicians, once they do allow themselves to get involved, find it very liberating is with entrepreneurship, you have control. You have control over the direction of where things are going. You don't have to go through any kind of bureaucratic um, channels in order to make a change, in order to try something new. Um, in medicine, we are bound by obviously, you know, um, what are these things called? Um, not scope of practice, but standards. We are, Uh we are basically uh, bound by standards, right? Because, and, and with good reason, we don't really Mm -hmm. want to have a doctor that's experimenting or like (laughs) is a cowboy or call girl just doing whatever, you know, off the range. Like I get it. But at the same time, what it, what that does is it puts us in a box, right? With entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. there is no box. Like you are allowed to utilize your, is it right brain that's creative? You're allowed to utilize your right brain, mm-hmm. um, your creative side, and you're allowed to, you know, you're allowed to actually fail forward, which in medicine, again, totally understand why, um, you know, failure is, is, is not looked on in medicine, like a lesson that we can learn from. It's more mm-hmm. looked like as a, a stain in your character and, um, like almost like 
uh, a sign that you should not do this anymore. So it's just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, in entrepreneurship, you're encouraged to fail because every time you fail, you learn something new about what direction you need to be going in and um, you grow a whole lot faster and you go a whole lot farther when you are willing to open yourself up to failing and failing fast. Mm. Yeah. You, you, well, you've mentioned a lot of things because um, what's uh, interesting is, uh, you know, uh, the it's very insightful about your um, condition and then you realize that it was burnout and you didn't realize it. And some people have a nervous breakdown or, or just some people have a health scare or, uh, you know, for me, it's like, I couldn't look myself in the eye anymore. So, but, uh, was, you said so many things and what's interesting is, so you talk a lot about fear and, you know, like I, like I was telling one client, you know, we are pigeonholed and we, there's a point A to point B and there's always a right answer to the test. And, um, you know, that works for academia and for training, but in the real world where we deal a lot with uncertainty. So how can, how can physicians overcome this fear? Because it's actually, you know, one is survival because, you know, you can lose your job, you can, get disciplined by the board, you know, you may, you may lose your license. So these are real concerns. So what can physicians do like to overcome this fear and get into entrepreneurship and start to um, protect themselves against insurance and these hospitals that have control over their time and their income and really physicians really don't have any say over that. Yeah. I would say that, you know, Going, getting involved in entrepreneurship is honestly, I feel like everybody should. And here's the reason why, because what happens is that you, you've dedicated a lot of time to this, right? You've dedicated, you probably sacrificed your twenties or your thirties, whenever you started, you have met countless hours that, and then depending on your specialty, countless hours after the, after you're done with your training in the hospital, caring for patients, which is Fantastic. But what happens along that road is the person that you were when you went into medical school, which usually you have to be somebody pretty well-rounded. You have to be somebody who is intelligent. They usually want you to, you know, have like um, other qualities, right? Like be Mm well-read or, you know, be um, involved in some kind of club or, you know, like do other things. They want Uh you to be this well-rounded person when you go into medical school and then they beat it out of you. Right. (laughs) And so if you're not, if during the time that you're there, if you're not holding on to at least one hobby, then what ends up happening is medicine then takes over because medicine is a very jealous mistress, right? (laughs) Medicine doesn't care that you were married before to art or you were married before to um, gardening or whatever it is that you you really enjoyed before you became a doctor. Medicine doesn't care about that. Medicine's like, it's just me. And so over time, what happens to a lot of us is that that becomes a definition of us and you're not, and that's not who you are. Right. And mm-hmm. so this, the sooner you realize this and the reason why it's so important to realize this and not, this is not to say that you should not be passionate about your specialty or passionate about your patients. That's not what I'm saying, because we are intrinsically people who are going to be excellent at what we do. So uh, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you cannot just be doctor, whatever, because mm-hmm. what 
that's a dangerous slope to be on because if there is something that occurs like a crazy pandemic, right. Or mm -hmm. an injury or something, some, a, a tragedy in your life, in your family that says you need to stop right now and you can't do this thing. What mm -hmm. else are you going to do? What else do you have in the back pocket to do for 99% mm -hmm. of the physicians that I know, nothing else, you know, they think, that people like us are anomalies, but really we need to be the norm because the reason is that you always want to, you know how your mom always says, don't put all your eggs in one basket because your mom's mm -hmm. right. Okay. She knows what she's talking about. You need to definitely diversify your opportunities, diversify your assets so that if you get hit on one end, you mm -hmm. have something else to fall back on. So that is why entrepreneurship is a great thing. Now we're, I mean, it's a big, big basket, right? Entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is a big basket. You could have multiple baskets within entrepreneurship, obviously. I mean, medicine is like a one trick pony, right? I mean, if you do surgery, you're a surgeon. If you do, like, you know what I mean? Like it's a one trick <laughs> pony. Entrepreneurship is multifaceted and you can have multiple areas of interest, therefore multiple income streams, right? So mm -hmm. you can go from one income stream, which if it gets cut off, you're screwed, or mm -hmm. you can have the main income stream, start developing the secondary tertiary income streams so that you don't have to feel like you are bound to the golden handcuffs or platinum handcuffs or whatever they're called. You don't <laughs> have to feel bound to them because you have a freedom of being able to be financially free. Mm. So that's yeah, why doctors yeah. should be entrepreneurs and you get to use your right brain. So, you know, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So when what you're alluding to is um, financial, not only just financial freedom, but time freedom. And, you know, from the sound of your voice and your facial expressions, you know, emotional freedom, because, you know, absolutely. You, yeah, you know, you're much happier, you're, you have more vitality, you're a lot healthier. So um, we'll go into a little bit of your, uh, say, you know, there's like, you mentioned, you know, entrepreneurship is a huge basket. So, I mean, just briefly touch on, you know, like, <clears throat> a lot of physicians are like, oh, what do I do? I, I, I only know how to practice. And, you know, they, they don't know how to leverage their skill sets to monetize uh, alternative income stream. So uh, what's your advice or what are some avenues or areas that physicians can easily take their clinical expertise and go and create side income streams? So if you don't feel fully comfortable stepping completely outside of the realm of what is known, you can start with doing things within medicine, right? So there are mm -hmm. tons and tons of opportunities that do not involve like you going to the hospital or going to the clinic or going to the operating room and exchanging your time for money, right? You could become a consultant. You could, you know, you could be um, an advisor. Like there are mm -hmm. so many things that you can do even within medicine or within, you know, this, the big umbrella of medicine, mm -hmm. not necessarily clinical medicine. And mm -hmm. so you can start there if you don't feel comfortable. If you're feeling like there is something that you want to pick back up that you maybe did before, you know, the, the jealous mistress came into your life, you know, then maybe you can pick up something related to that. So, for example, uh, I know a physician right now who 
before she went to med school, she was an artist. Like she was a, um, a musical artist. And so she went back to that. She basically started her own production company. She's, she's pushing that agenda. And, you know, that is an, a source of income now for her. So, you know, it, you, you have to kind of explore what your interests are. And if you start with your interests and you start with the things that you're passionate about, then, you know, then that's a great place because the truth is about entrepreneurship. It is fun. It is, um, it is exciting, but there is also a roller coaster ride that it, that, that is involved in being an entrepreneur. And so you really have to be doing something that you are passionate about on the good days, the bad days, you know, every, every day. And you have to also keep in mind that there is a, I don't want to say steep learning curve, but there is a, there's a pathway and the pathway usually requires a lot of much like medicine, I guess <laughs> it <laughs> requires a lot of hard work and like bumps and bruises at the onset. Yeah. But once everything is established and you have um, you have kind of uh, gotten into your groove, then it becomes a lot easier. Right. It's the same thing for like even things that are passive income related. You still have to do work at the beginning to set it up. Right. And that work could be, I don't know, it could be like a few months. It could be a couple of years, depending on what you're doing. You know, I, I, an example of that, I guess, could be. So say, for example, you're doing properties, you know, you'd have to do the due diligence about your investment. You have to do all that stuff up front, you know, get your capital, all that stuff. And then once you've done that, you know, if, if it's a if it's a rental property, then once you've had that all set up and you have like your management company set up or whatever, however you're going to do it. And you start oh. getting the tenants in there, you start getting the income, that income is passive income, right? But you had to do work before it became passive. <laughs> so I think people yeah. don't understand that. Like they, they think, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to get passive income. Okay. Yeah, you will, <laughs> but you have to do the work up front. So yeah. if you go into it, you know, having those, those things in mind, like having that in mind, realizing that it will be an awesome experience, but there will be bumps and bruises much like medicine. Right. Mm. And, and you've been trained already for this. So you should know this, <laughs> this is not gonna be a big deal for you. And then the second thing is going in there, realizing that if it's something that's going to create passive income that you need to put in sweat equity to get it set up to become passive, like it's not mm -hmm. passive right away. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, thirdly, uh, also realizing that entrepreneurship is the opposite of medicine in that you are constantly able to course correct, readjust, think outside the box, experiment, try new things. And you're allowed to do that. And nobody is going to question you or nobody's going to um, criticize you because guess what? It's your business. It's your <laughs> business. So you run your business how you want. So yeah, yeah no, I um, highly encourage it. Um, so great for your mental states. So great for your um, your uh, personal development. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's it's if once you get your baby to the point where it's like cranking out passive income for you or cranking out solid income for you, it is yeah. a great, great, great place to be. Um, and then when you start noticing that you are indeed financially free. Um, that, that creates a lot of times, a lot more love for medicine. It's kind mm -hmm. of a funny thing because if you're still practicing, what happens is you're like, I'm here. Cause I want to be here. Not because I have to be here. 
And mm-hmm. there's a very different uh, way that you look at medicine when you're in that position. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said it so, so, uh, so well. And uh, I know you, you have uh, you have your podcast course, you have books and, you know, you have coaching. So we'll include all of your uh, resources for the, um, for the audience and the listeners. Um, ne- the, ad- the next thing I want to transition to is, so you have location freedom because you moved from Michigan and uh, now you're in Guam, you know, that's like very close to Hawaii and, you know, you, you have the beautiful beaches and the beautiful weather. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about that move and, you know, some of the challenges and some of the advantages, uh, that you currently enjoy because, you know, of your freedom and your mobility. Oh, so yeah, now nah, that, uh, that's so basically, um, I have wanted to live elsewhere. I said, cause I mean, I, I'm from one country and then I moved to another and I have incredible wanderlust and I want to experience different cultures, things of that nature. So I have wanted to live outside the United States for quite a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic sort of uh, accelerated that process. And so what happened was my husband is an entrepreneur as well. He's an entrepreneurial scientist. He has his own drug drug discovery and design company. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we were essentially kind of rooted in Michigan, um, mm-hmm. mainly because of his his company. Right. I didn't want, I wanted, I wanted him to have everything that he needed in order to have great success with that. And for me, I could work anywhere. I really didn't care. And so when we realized that he was able to conduct business from the couch or from the home office, <laughs> then it was like, all right, well, why are we still here? <laughs> yeah. <can> live anywhere. <laughs> and so, um, so then we, you know, we made that decision in October of 2020, and then I started looking around, and um, we looked at several places. Actually, we looked at um, we looked at Ireland, believe it or not. But uh, Ireland, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was. It's. I mean, it wasn't my first choice, but I was kind of like, it's kind of cool. It'd be like, you know, go back to the days of like Lord of Rings. I don't know, um, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> but um that's probably a stereotype i'm sorry my irish friends i didn't mean to insult you um and so basically like uh we looked there but they had some ridiculous because the whole idea is that we would go to the place with me practicing medicine there right that would uh-huh. be the entree to the country and yeah. so um their their requirements for our medical license were just too much i was like that's too much. I'm too old for this. So I said, okay, fine. Um, so that wasn't going to work. And then we looked at, um, we looked at Virgin Islands, but oh, wow. um, yeah. the, the, the offer they were giving, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to take that. And um, that's the other thing, knowing your worth, like knowing your worth and asking for it. Yeah. And then the, um, and then that left uh, Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand would have been perfect because uh-huh. we have family in Christchurch. So it would uh-huh. have been close to family. Um, but both New Zealand and Australia require our parents to have $1 million in assets in order, in order for them to get a grandparents visa. And uh-huh. I could not put them on my health professional visa. So mm-hmm. that was a no-go. And then we're like, Somehow Guam came up. I don't remember exactly how it did. And so we were like, oh, it's by the Pacific Rim. 
that's awesome. Like there are so yeah. many places. My son has a huge bucket list of places he wants to go to. He's very, very into geography. And so pretty much three quarters of the places that are on his bucket list of places to visit were on this side of the world. And so uh-huh. we're like, well, we might as well just go there then. And so <laughs> that's how we ended up here. And the crazy part about it is, you know, it's a territory, right? So um, all of the things we didn't have to go through the whole having assets to get visas and all that stuff, which was quite nice. And mm-hmm. then it's a tropical place, which is also very nice because it basically made me feel quite at home, you know, cause I'm an Island girl at heart, no matter what I've lived in the frozen tundra <laughs> for years and years, but I'm still an Island girl. And so, yeah. you know, it just really allowed for, you know, allowed for us to have that as well. And then I had heard so many great things about Pacific Islanders and um, I felt like it was a great community to come and serve. And I got here. So first of all, so we did all this. So we made a decision in October. Um, I got the job. We we decided on Guam. I had some conversations. I got the job fairly quickly. And um, then we had the task of actually, because we had three houses. We had a condominium in that my mother-in-law is living in. We have a smaller home where my mom's living in. And then we had our house. And so we had to sell the the big house and the condo. And then we we're going to keep the smaller house just to have our, a place in Michigan to go home to for whenever my husband has his business meetings and things. And so we had to literally go to Ohio, get everything out of that house, like peer down all the stuff and then pack it in a pack it in a container, bring it over to the house in Michigan, sell like revamp the house in Michigan, um, get it to the point where it could be sold. And thank God it got sold in like a day, which is awesome. Um, And then um, get all that stuff. So essentially move three households worth of stuff from Michigan Uh to Guam, right? So get it in containers and move it to Guam. And then we found out that we had to sell the cars. And so we had to go through that whole process. We sold three cars. So we sold the three cars. Um, and we did it through Carvana, which was actually pretty simple, which I was like really surprised. I was kind of skeptical. We're going to sell a car with an incident, but <laughs> apparently it worked out great times three. So there we go. Um, and so, and I have no, I have no affiliate with Carvana. So, you know, there's that, you, you got a freebie Carvana. There you go. Uh, so, you know, we did all that stuff and then we moved here. We just like came and we had never visited we, I had never visited a hospital before. I had never met any of the people before. Uh-huh. It took a big risk, wow. but you know, <laughs> it, it was a big, it was a big risk, but, but, you know, even when you're taking large risks, um, yeah. you still do some form of risk management, right? Because for me, risk management was, for my, for my mom, risk management was going on YouTube and watching every single last video there even has ever been made about Guam. So she knew everything about Guam. She's like, oh, yeah, that when we were on, like when we'd arrived and we went to certain places. Oh, I saw that on YouTube. This is what this is this what's going on here. This is the street over here. And so that was her risk management. My risk management was talking to as many colleagues as possible who had had any contact, any experience with the place about what is it like? And 
I talked to a lot of people and I will tell you that I got one negative comment and it wasn't even really a negative comment. The comment literally was, you know, Guam's awesome. You see a lot of stuff, but too many weird cases. That was the negative comment. (laughs) And I said, you know what? If I'm talking to all these people and everybody's saying positive, that means that this is a place that we need to go, whether I've seen it or not. And so that was my risk management. So, you know, I don't want people to think that I was just like, oh, let's put a finger on the map or um, drop the pin on the map and then said, all right, we're going to go there and just pack up everything and go. It wasn't quite like that. I did do some research. (laughs) 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 But it's, 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 you know, and, and so when you are, you know, so this brings us back to entrepreneurship. Okay. So here's, here's why. Because of the fact that um, my mindset is such that whatever, I can be anywhere and make money, it allowed me to not close off options. And so that's what entrepreneurship does. You know, it really gives you the ability to see further, well, not further, farther into the future and also look more in your periphery than just straight ahead. Right. So, you know, before I had done all my mindset work and everything and been involved in, you know, had multiple failures and successes, I probably wouldn't have just done what I, that we did last year. But because oh. of all of that and knowing that, you know what, um, if this doesn't work out, I can just do something else. Like it's not a big deal. Um, that made it a lot easier to do that. Yeah. Yeah. If you've, you know, you've gone through the ups and downs and dips and, you know, with, with the craziness of 2020 and, you know, we all oh, yeah. survived that, you know, we, you, you know, you, we can, you know, weather 2008. So yeah, you, uh, you, you dropped so many uh, good gems and that's what a, it's a very fascinating story. How you just, you know, just, you know, moved your whole family, you know, and just, uh, you know, that, that takes a huge leap of faith and, you know, you're, you're much stronger and you, you've grown and you able to weather that uncertainty. So, um, I know people are interested, uh, how can they get in touch with you and how can they get in contact with you and any uh, last words of advice? You know what? My biggest advice is just do it. If you're thinking about it, just do it because guess what? The only thing that you have to lose is not trying the thing because what you don't want is you don't want to be, you know, on the rocking, uh, on the porch in the rocking chair next to your, you know, next to your family or your significant other or your kids or whoever. And like, man, I should have, when I was 40, I should have done that. Or when I was 50, I should have done that. Or, you know, whatever it is, because, you know, you don't want to be like, if your idea, so, okay, okay. How about this? If your idea was the internet, right. And you never trigger, you never like did anything to progress that idea. Uh And now you're like, man, I should have like done something. I should have put myself out there. I could have been a part of this revolution, right? Yeah. Now somebody else is somebody else put themselves out there and they're the ones getting the accolades and the um the fruit of the labor, the spoils. Yeah. And you could have been you. Like so you never the the place that has the most ideas ever yeah. that are not realized is a cemetery, right? Yeah. I mean you yeah. don't want to be 
older and looking back saying, man, I should have done that thing. I had that idea or I could have done this a little differently and it could have gone this way. You never want to be that one. So if you look at your life and you look at um, the opportunities that you're looking towards pursuing as potential gateways to you never having regret, then you should definitely do it. Just do it. Don't even think about it. Um, what is the name of the uh, the woman who says the five second rule? I keep forgetting what her oh, name is. Uh, was it Mel? Was it Mel Robbins or Mel Robbins? Yes. That, so Mel her? Robbins is yes, yeah. it's Mel Robbins, and she's like, look, you get the idea. Five seconds, right? Don't yeah. even, don't even like, don't even let it ruminate. Just do it. Just yeah. give it five <laughs> seconds and just do it, and <laughs> you will be surprised at how it will transform your life. Like it is, it's just nuts how, how it does, because what happens is the more you start taking the baby risks, like the little small risks is that it will compound to like a bigger payoff, right? So the small risk that you take every day turns into a gigantic payoff in like a week, a month, a year, two years. And if you don't ever put your foot forward and touch the water, you will never get in the water and you'll never learn to swim. I mean, it's just uh-huh. <laughs> facts, <laughs> just facts. And yeah. so, um, you know, that would be my, my advice is, you know, feel, you might, you might feel fear. We all have it no matter what, like people who get on these ginormous stages and talk to tens of thousands of people, guess what? They still feel fear, but you know what they do with that? They take that fear and they basically convert it into kinetic energy and they feed the audience and give to the audience. So that's what you need to do. So yeah, you feel fear. Everybody does whatever. That's normal. That's part of life. But you don't let that stop you. You still do the thing. Give it five yeah. seconds. Boom. All right. Let's go. You yeah. know, that's what you need to do. Yeah. You will see amazing things happen if you just do that. And so how can you cut, get in contact with me? I am literally um, Charmaine Gregory MD on pretty much all the platforms. Um, uh-huh. So let me see. Facebook, Instagram and linkedin mm-hmm. and then the podcast has its own so fearless freedom with dr g the podcast has its own um its own linkedin instagram and facebook awesome yeah, yeah. and i'm on tiktok now too I, i'm oh, having TikTok. a lot of fun with that my tiktok <laughs> account is like just a fun fun account i just have so much yeah. fun with it yeah um, and i'm sure Maine gregory md on there too awesome and all of the uh show notes and links and all the resources will be um included and uh dr gregory thanks so much i i know i appeared on your podcast uh right before the pandemic started and that's yes. when my <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and and that was time when you know we didn't have anything better so now it's uh, it's just blossomed so thanks so much and uh we wish you the best and you know hopefully we'll have you on as a future guest Oh, thank you. And I am so proud of how much you have grown over this time. And you're just doing incredible things. Keep doing it. Yeah. Thanks. And it means so much to me. Awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Well, I hope you really enjoyed that fantastic episode with our special guest this week. Just remember as a shout out to this week's sponsor, Dr. Heather Fork, MD of the Doctors Crossing, who has come out with her new online course devoted to teaching you how to leverage social media to network online effectively for your next job, your career, or as a side income. Again, social media is very valuable in today's society. It can be used for marketing advertising, selling, communication with your followers, growing your brand, influence, followers, as well as networking. So don't miss out. It's really important in today's age to really leverage technology, especially in the COVID age. So go to the link in the show notes below and we'll see you back next week. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisluemdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.